This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! We made it past dry January, and it wasn't really that dry the January for most of us in a lot of ways, maybe in the intake sense it might have been. Certainly it was in a sense of a number of wins for Arkansas basketball. So good morning, Matt Jones. Hopefully there's a little bit of a floodgate feel uh, after a win over Missouri. I don't know if uh, momentum will last, but they have played uh, back-to-back games fairly well at LSU Saturday. Let's not preview LSU too much. Let's just uh, let's just enjoy the win over Missouri, right? Always nice to win. Good morning uh, to you as well. Um, yeah, Biggs played big. Uh, I, I like the fact that, you know, the, the, the bigs kind of have a different role with, with Brazil being a big out there. He's not really around the rim or in the paint. It's a different and, kind of a big. Then you big, put big. Graham Lawson and, and Mitchell, they're, they're in the paint guys, you know. Yeah. So, and, and that's what you got to do uh, is definitely attack the paint. So I, I've, I've absolutely loved what I've seen out of the three bigs. I hope Brazil's taking notes because I've had a coach, you know, coaches that tell you they'll, they'll come up and say, son, you're you're more athletic than all three of these guys put together. How come they're playing better than you? You know, like, duh, get your butt inside, be in the paint, attack the rim, be an athlete, be a basketball player. Uh, don't don't frolic around, lollygag around the three point line. Uh, if he can pick that up a little bit, this team has a chance to go to the NIT. All they got to do is go 500. They set themselves up now. I don't know if they can. I don't know that they will go 500 going forward. I don't know if we have the talent up there. But at least they're trying. At, at least they're putting forth some effort. They're not beating themselves. Uh, they they stop transition D. They you know they they're playing defense. They're passing the ball a little bit, attacking the paint. I thought uh, Battle played play. He's been playing his better defense the last couple games, and uh, to get him on the floor, he's got to be better on the defensive side. Well, I mean, there's just I, I, you knew it watching the game. Then you you know look at the box score when the game's all done. I'm like six three pointers. That was it for the team that's been known for. Throwing the ball around the three-point line and just jacking it up at the end of the shot clock. Six three-pointers, that's it. I know that was a huge point of emphasis to get the ball into the paint. And, man, for a team that has really struggled, like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you were to add up points in the paint in SEC games, I mean, you would be in pretty heavy negative margin. Plus 26 yesterday. for a te- Think of how difficult it's felt sometimes, Matt, for Arkansas to even score 56 points in SEC games. They put 56 of them in from the paint yesterday. You know, Makai looked dominant. I mean, I, we've seen him make trying to work on his offensive game this year in, in games themselves, and it looks like it certainly paid dividends. But, I mean, are there that many teams that you're going to be able to bully around like Arkansas did yesterday against Missouri? You know, I mean, they, re, they, they didn't just set the tone of the game. They set the physical tone to the game. Uh, and... They were just the stronger, more aggressive team. Again, I don't want to make it into a preview of what happened Saturday against LSU because if you paid attention from one game to the next, you never know what you're going to get. Heck, from half to half, you never know what you're going to get. And even in this game last night, you know, I mean, you had yourself a, what was it? It was, a, it was a pretty big lead, what, 23 points early in the second half? And then Missouri starts slowly creeping back to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So, I mean, I'm not going to call it a perfect 40 minutes. But I'm just happy they got a win. And and whether it was a win at home against whomever or, or, or a win on the road against a team that went the entire month of January without a victory in Mizzou, I'm just happy that they scored more points than an SEC opponent. And it breaks up some of that monotony. Uh, so I felt good about that. And it you, felt more like it felt like dry January might have come to an end. We'll it, see if it, February's wet. It felt like we stayed right above the relegation line. That, that, that's right. Uh, I don't know if everybody makes the SEC tournament. Uh, I think the women's team, I don't think the final two teams get to make. Or is that the baseball tournament? The last two teams, they don't get to go. Uh, it's baseball. Yeah. So that, that, that being said, Missouri... Uh, awful. Uh, this must be what other teams feel like when they come and play the Hogs. You know, just we did whatever we wanted, uh, had a smile on our face, uh, made them like it. It was the first time this year in conference play that I've seen that happen and uh, made me be thankful that I'm not a Missouri Tiger fan because that team is, uh, man, they're to be desired. They got one little guard, Blake, that can do a little bit, 
But man, they were. Um, imagine having to support that team uh, every week because I don't see them. They don't have an SEC game. I don't see them. Uh, I don't know where the win. I don't know where I, W. Comes I don't from. know whether their W comes from either. Arkansas puts themselves in a spot though where if they can go five hundred these next ten games, you got five home games, five road games. You go five hundred, you make the NIT. You get postseason play, so there's something to play for. You want to keep your season going? Something to play you for. You really want to keep your season going? Uh, on on February 1st, I wonder if you do want to keep your season going. But then again, if you're playing well in February, if you do play 500 in February, and you still have three games in March before the SEC tournament, then maybe you do want to keep your season going somehow. Or maybe, just maybe, in the back of their minds, you know how they're all, you know how all basketball players are thinking if you're playing college basketball. Once we get to March... Even if we haven't had a great season, if we believe in ourselves, we can get a little run going. The thing this team has to do is they haven't done anything yet. Don't start patting yourself on the back. Don't start acting like you're BMOC. Uh, you, you still, you, you're one game above 500. You got your second conference win. Uh, let's get back in there and get to work. You play Saturday, then you get a week off, and then you play Saturday. Uh, so there's no excuses not being ready when you go down there to LSU at 11 o'clock in the morning and then getting a week off. But like I said, they haven't done anything yet. All they did was stop the bleeding, get that second win, uh, and they get to continue on. You get 10 more opportunities that are given to you. And uh, t- let's take advantage of every one of them. Women's basketball is a chance to get a real streak going, according to Mike Neighbors, against Alabama tonight. Matt, is a, is a streak two in a row or three in a row? Tracy. All right. That's kind of the way I've thought about it, too. Two in a row is back-to-back. Once you've got back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, now we got a real streak. we got a chance to get a streak going tonight against a team that Arkansas ran off the court in their own building in the second half. 8 o'clock at Bud Walton Arena, SEC Network. And, uh, and uh, then they get Auburn on Sunday, the day after the men's team plays LSU at 11 o'clock. Uh, Cowboys fans, you got to be finding a new defensive coordinator now. Coaching carousel. Dan Quinn is the new Washington Commanders head coach. And that's the last of the head coaching positions to be decided until Andy Reid retires after the Super Bowl when the Chiefs win their third under him. And then and then of course they're hiring Bill Belichick as we got into yesterday. So uh, getting a second crack. Cow- Cowboys getting Belichick as their D coordinator. Is that is that how <laughs> is that what we're doing? No, they're going to hire Nick Saban out of retirement Ooh. after just a month. He's Pete, sick of playing golf and fishing by now. Pete Carroll's a, a, a defensive guy too. So yeah, why not get them all on the same on the same staff under Mike McCarthy? Belichick could be. Uh, I mean, if he wanted to be DC, would you would you say okay? Like, would you be like, and that's all he wants to do? He doesn't want any personnel. He just wants to be the DC, which I, I don't know. But. I would look him in the eye and I would think, are you are you all right? I mean, are we are you really who you say it's you February are? February first, not April first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was to me that almost felt a little bit of the same thing when I saw that Bobby Petrino was going to be an offensive coordinator in college after being a head coach for all those years. Not to put him at the same level, but you know, after all these years of being a head coach, maybe you just would be expecting to stay as a head coach or nothing else. And then again, you get this head coach, Jeff Halfley, who's no longer a head coach. Boston College. Boston College players are now on the clock, Matt. BC is it just lost their head coach to a defensive coordinator position in the NFL. Halfley will be the new DC for the Packers. And so this is a string, man. I want to see this happen to where there are, because Boston College gets 30 days. You're still in the 30-day window for Alabama players, for Michigan players for South Alabama players, for Washington players. So let's see. Who knows in this crazy sport, something can happen in February. You know, so, some coach is going to make a stupid phone call to someone or he's going to, you know, leave his phone out and they can see that he's been texting hookers or something and he's going to lose his job. And then you're going to end up with another 30-day window for players to go. And then I just want to see, I just want to see players be able to transfer until the window of the spring window comes open who, who's your boy from uh our, from michigan state he said it was consensual man Mel yeah that's right there's good we can get a spring situation is he coaching anywhere I yeah don't know if he'll be coaching anywhere for a while yeah and he's and it's not for that reason that you'd say for someone that got the buyout because i don't think he got the buyout mm. halftime on a thursday today's going to be a lot of fun brett dolan joins us hour number three we have Head coach of Arkansas baseball, Dave Van Horn, at 12-15, 15 days before the start of Arkansas baseball season. 
and a day before they get back to Baumwalker for some scrimmages over the weekend. Get to talk with the head coach of Arkansas baseball and Bob Holt in just a moment. Jeff Hostetler days. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, well, Jokic, he's the, he might be the best 15 right now in sports. Um, so the, the Joker, we're, we're the Joker days away. All of a sudden, like early, earlier, Matt mentioned a Jeff Foxworthy quote to me. So for some reason, I thought I heard 15 Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. And I was like, I don't remember the number that he wore on stage. The philosopher Jeff Foxworthy. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Morning, Bob. Appreciate you joining us as always. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. Does it, ha- does it help when you're writing about a win instead of writing about a string of losses? Does it help? Does it does it make it more enjoyable to uh, to write a story? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, I think the the post game quotes we get are better. I think the the, the fans are more interested in reading about it. Um, the the storylines are better and. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I like to think I'm objective and don't pull for a team one way or the other. But I think anybody says it's not uh, more fun than more interesting to cover a winning team uh, would, would would be lying um, or not, you know, being totally truthful. But yeah, so it was, it was a nice write up a win last night. What, Bob, what is your kind of takeaway with uh, everything that's going on up there? Just the emotional roller coaster of of of, of and then kind of kind of playing your best two games. I know we're one and one uh, on these last two games, but looking just totally different these last couple games. What, what, what do you think? It, what do you think is going on up there? Well, yeah, Eric Musselman said these these last eighty minutes of basketball were probably the best they've played in the SEC. Now you have to take the Duke game into account, but. But uh, yeah, obviously they've they've made some changes. They they uh, emphasize an inside scoring more, and Makai Mitchell's really come alive. You know, Eric Musselman, you know, and I would tend to agree that he's played as, as well as any big man in the country the last couple games. <clears throat> and then you know Jalen Graham, we know he's he's been a good scorer, but he's had you know, other lapses with things like turnovers or maybe lack of rebounding that that have cost him minutes. But he had a really they fouled out last night, but he had a really uh, – he, he didn't get a lot of rebounds, but he had four steals, four assists, 13 points, very active, and then Chandler lost, and he's just kind of been Mr. Reliable all year. Doesn't put up huge numbers usually, but, uh, you know, Eric talks about how he does all the all the little things well. And, um, you know, the team was plus 11 last night. You know, Chandler only played 60 minutes, but Arkansas was plus 11 with, with him on the court. So, you know, that, that speaks that, that – that was – so Eric referred to them as a three-headed monster, I guess. And so they really had a good inside game. Had a good inside game against a really big Kentucky team. And, you know, Missouri's not real big, or they're big guys they do have or are younger. They obviously have Connor Vanover. We know about Connor because he's an Arkansas guy, played for the Razorbacks. And uh, he actually had some good minutes for Missouri, I thought. But just the fact they dominated in the paint, they're really looking to go inside. That To me, that's been a big deal. And then they got good point guard play from the young guys. You know, Lane Blocker, true freshman, started, played almost 30 minutes. Uh, Keon Menefield, you know, sophomore transfer, he didn't play at all against Kentucky, not one second. He plays 32 minutes and has a really good game. Uh, they decided not to go with L. Ellis, who had played a lot of minutes. And um, so they're, they're, they're sort of reinventing themselves here in the latter part of the season as we go into the the stretch from the SEC, but yeah, if they can keep playing like this, they're going to get some more wins. It's an interesting way that he just put it too about reinventing yourself. We've wondered openly, what does this team do well? And we didn't know what the answer was outside of blocking some shots and getting to the foul line in some cases. But we're seeing them do well now is 
rebound a little better. Share the ball. Score in the paint. Uh, utilizing size. And it's like, if, you know, Musk says, if Makai Mitchell's able to play like that, he's going to be one of the toughest fives in the country. Now, doing against Missouri is one thing, but like you said, they played well in there against Kentucky too. Is this what Arkansas can do well for the remainder of the regular season? Well, you'd like to think so. And I, and, you know, like you mentioned, M- M- Mizzou's 0-8 in the league. You know, they, they haven't won. They're, they and uh, the, the, the Tigers and Vanderbilt, the only one of those teams. But I wouldn't say Missouri is just like the worst team ever. They actually were favored last night. I think they've lost those conference games by an average of nine points. They took South Carolina, who's playing really well. They took them to overtime. So that was not an easy win. And even though I guess the final was seven points, really Arkansas had a pretty dominant, dominating performance, I thought. They were up by 14 or 15 with about a minute to play. And, you know, Missouri scored what I would call some cosmetic points, kind of like Arkansas did against Oklahoma. We remember back in December, Oklahoma beat Arkansas by nine, but they really controlled that game for, you know, the last 30 minutes or so. And, and Arkansas was up by 19 at halftime, I think it was. And, uh, really controlled that game on the road. So I don't care who you're playing. If you're on the road and you, you dominate somebody, leave for 37 minutes, that, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, it's more impressive if you do it against a, a better team than Missouri. But but um, to answer your original question, yeah, I think they can keep playing. Like, I think I think a lot of it is, I don't want to sound too much like a coach, but it's, it's got to be buy-in. I think there probably were times earlier in the season when you know the players didn't follow the game plan for whatever reason. And kind of kind of freelance and didn't didn't follow the rules the coaches had laid out for him in terms of you know do this defensively, um, you know do, do this on offense and so you know they only took six threes. I mean how how often do you see that in a game these days? So they hit four of them, so so they made a good percentage. But you know, Eric basically said, hey, if you're taking a bunch of threes, you're going to be sitting on the bench. And you're not going to be getting back in. So. Um, you know, those guys knew take the ball inside, you know, hit the high percentage shots, get fouled, you know, they hit 21 to 26 free throws and Missouri hit 20 to 22, but Arkansas ended up taking four more free throws and they dominated in the paint. And, uh, you know, I think by taking it, you know, Eric talked about this, by not taking a bunch of threes that they limited, uh, Missouri's fast break opportunities. Cause you know, missed threes usually lead to long rebounds and breakouts and, if you take kind of a wild shot, that can lead to a fast break. And so Arkansas shot selection was better, and that helped their defense. Hey, Bob, with uh, with Brazil and, and Devo, uh, I, I don't know if, if Devo's gone for good or if he's coming back. I guess the question is, uh, d- does Devo and Brazil, do they both suit up for the Razorbacks again this year? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. My guess is Devo does not. Because um, when he left the team last year, it was for one game, and he was back, I think, within two days. And now it's it's uh, going on a week now. I will say this, Arkansas still lists him on their online roster. He's, his bio's in the game notes. You know, Chuck Barrett mentioned him on the radio last night. I think if, if uh, you know, if Devo was, was totally off, you know, there was no chance. I don't think Arkansas would keep, you know, he, he wouldn't have a presence on uh, – you know, in their game notes, the, the play-by-play guy would not mention him, and so I think there must the door must be open at least a crack for him to come back. But just the way things have happened, I kind of don't think he's coming back. But that's just my thoughts. That's I have no knowledge of that. And uh, Trevin, I don't know. I mean, knee soreness. Uh, he hadn't been practicing. I, I will say this: I, I think there's a better chance. You know, Trevin is pl- plays again, but we'll just have to see. He's thinking about his future. And uh, you know if he, you know if and when he does come back, he's probably gonna have to adjust his game because he's a guy that's taking a lot of threes and he's a good, you know, solid three point shooter. But I do think if and when he comes back, he's gonna have to be more of an inside presence because that that that's the way that uh, you know Arkansas feels like you know they, they they can win games. Kind of an inside out approach, Phil. Is that how you kind of see if if you have um, you know Lawson who who. I mean, he he's he he's kind of basketball savvy. He's not the most athletic guy, but he, he makes play. And then I thought Graham and Mitchell both just being aggressive, uh, not really wasting time, uh, was good things for us. Yeah, and, and then the, even the guards were taking the ball to a hole. And you know, Chandler's a guy that can knock down some threes. And I'm not saying Arkansas should never take any threes again. Obviously, you know, threes you get threes are more are more better than twos, and if you make them. But I do think uh, you know. They talked about not having an identity for this team, and I think their identity has been established now. 
They're going to be a strong inside team. They're going to look to get the ball inside first, not take, you know, 18 or 20 threes a game. They're going to look to get to the line, which is actually, like like Phil said, that's something they've done fairly well most of the season. And uh, and they're going to look to, to play, you know, hang their head on defense, which has always been Eric Musselman's uh, philosophy. But now when you have success, I think, you know, the players can start buying in more and believing more. You know, you saw the glimpses of the celebratory locker room, and it was Makai Mitchell's 24th birthday and uh, all those things. And so um, they can take some momentum to Baton Rouge. Now, LSU's an improved team. They're 3-4 and four in the league, but they were 2-16 and 16 last year, and they've had a whole week off with this new everybody in the league get, gets a week break between games. And so uh, LSU should be fresh and ready, but you know, Arkansas is taking some momentum there. And, you know, they, they, I think even though they obviously don't like losing Kentucky, they can feel good about that game, gain some confidence from that, and then gain some more confidence from the way they really, you know, dominated Missouri. I, I, I don't know how – I don't know what they'll be able to take from, from this game in, into LSU just because we don't – it's been such an inconsistent team on a game-by-game basis. But I think one thing you can take after these last two games is the energy that they've played with, the effort, which has been noticeably better on both sides. Um, you know, and I mean, it, it, it coincides with the shakeup in the locker room as well. I wonder, I mean, these two things feel like they are tied together a little bit, but I, I never know what to trust out of this team this year, Bob, but I'd like to trust right now that you do get good efforts and good energy at, at LSU too. And that's what, that's what the players have even talked about. Moss has talked about that on a game by game basis. Effort has been a roller coaster as well, but not these last two games. Yeah, and this is really the, the two best SEC games they they put together back to back, and you can say, well, wow, two games—that's not exactly a, a a lengthy streak, but it's it's better than one. Um, and so, uh, you know, yeah, I think when when the team's struggling to the extent Arkansas, especially in league play, you you have to try to build on the positive, you know, some take some some small steps, you know, kind of inching forward. Eric, Eric talked about. After the Kentucky game, you know, he felt good about the effort, and anybody who thought they didn't play hard was wrong, and so he was very proud of that. Obviously, they wanted a better result, but and he sort of he said we're, we're inching forward and taking that to Missouri. Well, okay, they took to Missouri, maybe gained a, gained a little bit more. Now they need to go to LSU and try to try to keep that rolling. And it's not easy on the road. I don't care who you're playing in, in the SEC; it, it's tough on the road, but. Um, I think they, they can go there with some confidence and feeling good. And then, you know, they, they need to keep getting off to good starts. You know, that's one thing. Um, they had just been getting, you know, blown out and not leading in some of these SEC games. I think three of their first six games, they didn't lead for a second. And, you know, I think when, you strug- when you're struggling, you get down early, it just probably zaps all the energy out of you. Well, they got off to a good start against Kentucky. You know, Kentucky came back to their credit, but they got- Arkansas got off to a good start. And uh, and they got off to a great start at Missouri, and so I, that's going to be key is to get off to a good start on the road again. And it's an early tip off, 11 a.m. So sometimes crowds aren't as into it. And uh, of course, when when Arkansas plays Missouri at home, I think that's going to be an 11 a.m. tip off. So Arkansas fans are going to need to be ready to bring it early. But uh, I, I think there's there, there's some signs to feel good about after so many games where it just seems so deflating and. Gosh, can these? I mean, after Ole Miss, you're wondering because because these guys winning games, you know, can they win another game? You know, I, I thought they would, and I, you know, but but, but you, I mean, I could see where the feeling would be. Geez, after a beat down like this by a good but not incredible Ole Miss team, um, you know, is there any hope left? And now I think they've restored some hope. Bob, always appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll be reading you in uh, the Democrat and Whole Hog, okay? Okay, you guys take care. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. 
Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Let's talk with Dave Van Horn, head coach of Arkansas baseball, entering his 22nd year at the helm. Dave, appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. How you doing? Doing great. The uh, the weather's giving us a little break, so get to be outside. It, it, it makes you feel a little bit better about what's coming down the road here. Yeah. So what what is coming down the road here then? Are you, are you talking about the start of the season or just some weather that's on, coming on the weekend? Talk, talking about the start of the season. Okay. You know, and you know you're going to be inside for three or four weeks straight. It's tough to open up without getting a little little time on the on the real field. So we're excited to get out a little bit. I know you guys were able to uh, scrimmage three times this past weekend. Well, Monday too. Um, we know where the, where some of the position battles are going into the season. Uh, there are assumed starters at a number of positions, including starting pitching. Uh, I want to ask about catching. Um, now, I've, I've heard you describe, like, the reason why you've got four catchers that you're sort of shuffling around right now, all of them hitting, playing well. Um, you know, how how do you think you handle catching, or do you worry about how you handle this for the start of the season? Because right now you get 15 days until the season starts, and I know all your all four of your catchers are hitting and and they're they're catching well too. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really good problem to have, and it's one that I really haven't had to uh, deal with in the past. You know, a lot of times you have maybe two catchers, and one of them's a lot better than the other one. Maybe you have a young one hanging out, or whatever the case may be. But you know, the way it all went down, and you kind of know how it, how it, I guess, happened is that we felt like we needed to get a, a, a transfer catcher with some experience because we thought our freshman that we had signed uh, would probably sign a professional contract and not make it here. Well, he made it here. We also got a transfer. And then we have two older kids back, and that's there you have it. So, uh, you know, the interesting thing, you know, Hudson White coming from Texas Tech, he, he, he caught and DH'd and did a little bit of everything for him, but he always hit. Well, he's really improved as a catcher. Uh, being here. I think that our coaches have done a tremendous job with him. Bobby Warnes working with him every day. And then just all the technolo- technology, we can show him what he does wrong and right and how he how he makes pitches look better than they are or look you know, worse than they are. So he's really, really done a good job of learning. And then our freshman, Ryder Helprick, very, very talented young man, super strong, athletic, plus-plus arm, got power, um, both of those kids could actually play in the field in another position if they need to. And then, you know, then we have Parker Rollenback that caught probably 80% of our games last year, and, and Hudson Polk's swung the bat better than I've ever seen him. So, yeah, it's a little bit of an issue, but it's a good issue to have, and, and we'll work it out. When, when it comes to figuring out who's catching, you know, and I, I really – watching Helfrick, he looks like a catcher for the future, obviously. He's, he's strong. He doesn't, he doesn't look like a freshman. Um but I wonder, like, we, we assume that one of the huge strengths of this team is starting pitching. And I think you, you probably have a really strong bullpen as well. Catching has to be a part of that. So that that also is going to have to factor into this decision. Tell me about Helfrick as a catcher specifically, because you have said that he can play some other positions. Maybe that's in the cards for him. But as a catcher, how do you think it shakes out for him right now? Well, I mean, he's as, he's as good a receiver as we have. I mean, he's... You know, if you look at the numbers on how he's done analytically, he's been amazing. Now he's had an he had an inning or two where he looked like a freshman, honestly. But I mean, he's been he makes pitchers look better than they are, and uh, I think the, the the pitchers really like throwing to him. So that makes it easier to write his name in the lineup if you have one of your guys that is your weekend starter or whatever the case may be. They have no problem throwing to him, and he and he actually has a little feel for calling pitches too. So that's a plus, and that's one thing we let our catchers 
kind of do and prove to us that they, they have feel and they, they, they know what's up and with scouting reports and then just knowledge of what the hitter's all about, they can they can make some good decision on some pitches and location. We can always chime in through the headset, but uh, and we do. But uh, yeah, he's he's very very good back there. Coach Matt Jones here, uh, big big fan of yours. Uh, you, you've been here 22 years, and uh, I've, I've loved following your career. How is this NIL? What is your message to these kids when you're recruiting? And, and how has NIL really changed your message? How, how has your message changed in, in 22 years uh, that you've been up well, there? Yeah, it's uh, first off, I'm, I'm glad the student athletes have an opportunity to make some money, you know, especially in our sport. Um, baseball, you know, we get 11.7 scholarships. So we don't even have 12 full scholarships for, you know, our roster if you look at it. And that's, you know, it's not 12, you get. 12 for every class, you get 12 for four classes. So it's, it's very difficult. And, you know, these kids are leaving out of here that are really good players and they owe a lot of money, you know, loans and different things. And and now with NIL, you know, they can get some help there. And, uh, it's just recruiting with it is, uh, it's very touchy. You know, I even have to watch what I say, you know, it's like the rules and man, it's, it's interesting. I just, I just wish it was more cut and dried and, you know, I'll say maybe you should put a limit on it, but I guess professional sports, they have a salary cap and different things. And, you know, there's, there's some that have, and some that have some, there's some that have a lot more than others and could really get separated uh, talent wise down the road. I mean, we're holding our own right now with recruiting and, and we feel like we can coach them and, and get the best out of them. But, when you really start looking at it, if the team's just loaded with NIL money plus scholarships, it's uh, it can get to the point where it's going to be tough to, to handle them. So I'm good with it. I just, I wish we had more NIL money. I'll say that. I mean, that's a fact. And uh, we've been smart with it. We're not just slinging it around. We're, we're trying to recruit the right kids and lead them maybe to where they can get some, but, uh, yeah, it's a little difficult. I feel like college baseball coaches are, or, or were better set up for the current state of college athletics with, with the ability to transfer and everything just because, it's, I mean, the, the, there's been more player movement in college baseball than I think any other sport within the last 20, 30 years anyway. Where, where it feels, Dave, where it might be a little more difficult putting a roster together is the timing of the draft, which you know, comes in July now instead of June. And that one month makes such a huge difference. I know you've said that's a main reason why you got four catchers that you got to, you know, have this yes. position battle for. I mean, that's, that's what really seems to be the difficult thing of putting a team together because otherwise you kind of been used to all this movement. You know, the, the interesting thing about that bill is that, you know, the only one that want the only people that want the draft in July are the owners. Cause they like, they think it's pretty cool to have it around the all-star game. Well, the the GMs and the, the minor league people, man, they want to have in June. They want to get these kids in their system. They want to get them drafted. It makes so much more sense. But, you know, nobody really – I won't say nobody really cares. Uh, the all-star game is what it is. It's It doesn't make any sense, you know. College baseball and MLB, man, we've got a better relationship than we've had in decades, it seems like, and now – you know, they push that back and it's, it's pull, it's, it's put a kink in, in recruiting and it, it hurts kids too, because there's, there's, there's some coaches and not saying we haven't had to make some tough phone calls after the draft in July and the kids planning on being here in a month. And we're like, Hey, this guy didn't get drafted. That guy didn't get drafted. We got these guys coming back and your chance of playing is slim and none. You probably ought to do something else. You know, that's, it's it's horrible, honestly. It's uh, you know, roster movement is what it is, and you know, it seems like the last few years, you know, become more of a general manager. Roster is huge, you know, in the summer, and where it just consumes my every minute uh, of a bit. Once our season's over, it's it can't really almost to the point where you're out recruiting and you're on the phone discussing things on roster and uh, or having to be here in the office instead of going on the road because you got to meet some kids uh, that are, that are getting in the portal and it's a, it's, it's, it's different. But the way I look at it and I tell our coaches is 
you either better embrace it or you better go do something else. I got it. We got a, a few more minutes here with uh, head coach Dave Van Horn from Arkansas baseball. There's another position I wanted to bring up and, and maybe two okay. of them because we brought up catching. Uh, I want to ask about third base and left field. And, and maybe there are a couple of players that maybe figure into both positions. I'm thinking maybe a Jason Jones, Peyton Holt at third base, Edmondson maybe left field. What do you think about these two positions, and what do you want from the guy who is playing their opening day? Well, you know, at third base right now, it's, it's Peyton Holt and then uh, a transfer, uh, Jared Sprague Lott. Um, you know, Sprague Lott, he can play anywhere in the infield. He's our... As of right now, he's our backup shortstop, probably our backup. Maybe not second baseman because if Holt was playing third and something happened to Stovall, I'd probably, you know, there was going to be long term, I would probably, you know, make that switch and put Sprague Lott at third. But he's definitely our backup shortstop. He can play second. He's really good at first. And he defensively at third, he may be our best defender at third. Um, you know, what Holt brings is, uh, Maybe a little more bat, we'll see, and uh, and some energy and, you know, kind of a spark plug. So, you know, I'd say Holt is, you know, winning that job now. Uh, Sprague Lott is right there, and he's a kid, you know, he played Richmond three years and he hit 300 every year. So it's a different league here. Uh, might not do it here. You talk about left field. Right now I've got Jason Jones as our starting left fielder. We've been working him out there since late fall. Um been swinging the bat really well in practice and you know if he can if he can hit for us like we know he he can and will one day uh it, it will really really give us a boost to our offense coach what young player so far has really surprised you or really impressed you well probably one we talked about the most was was Ryder Helfrick I mean he's a true freshman and you know he's already hit a home run in scrimmage and a real scrimmage and hit a bunch last fall and he handles the pitchers well, and then it's it's some it's some pitchers. You know, we've had we've had really some good luck with some pitchers. Um, you know, you talk about Colin Fisher from Oklahoma City area lefty. He's he can really pitch, and he throws strikes. He's been amazing. Hunter Deets, who we won't get for a while, is incredibly good, incredibly talented. Uh, he'll be ready to pitch for us. Hopefully, um, we're hoping like mid-April, maybe a little earlier. We'll see from there, and. Uh, and then everybody's talked about Gabe Gackle and his velocity. And, you know, I mean, I like Tate McGuire, another right-hander. He's he's really done a good job for us. So, named a lot of pitchers uh, that are young, but they all throw strikes. And they should help us this year. And I'm hoping the second half of the season those guys are, you know, acclimated. They're done with the nerves and they go do what they can do. And those guys should gain a lot of uh, experience that lead into the hopefully the postseason and into and, and next year. Let, let's close on a thought on, on what everybody thinks is the number one strength of your team and that's starting pitching. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's Hagen Smith, there's Brady Tigert, there's Mason Molina. Wonder about the fourth starter, and we'll probably find that out the first weekend, maybe Ben Bybee. But in the first three, there's a certain level of talent from each of them, yes. But they're yeah, also they, they're also experienced. These are guys that have been around the game and pitched in some really pressure packed situations. To me, that stands out too. Yeah, and that's what I was. I didn't know you were going to mention that. I started to interrupt you. That's what I was going to say. And they have experience. You know, Hagen. He's done it all here. He's closed games. He's he's been a middle guy. He's been a starter. I mean, we pitched him two years ago, and with with two innings to play, and looked like we we're about ready to let that regional championship game slipped Oklahoma State. We went to a freshman there, and he got it done. And last year he was amazing, kind of ran out of gas at the end of the year. Uh, he's ready to be a full-time starter, lead our pitching staff. Mason Molina, a transfer from Texas Tech, was our Friday night starter. He's not a super hard thrower, still throws in the 90s, can throw at 93 if he needs to, but uh, plus change up, a high carry fastball is really hard to hit. Hard to get on top of it. Our guys don't like hitting off of him. And, and and you know, then you got Brady Tiger, and this stuff's as good as anybody from the right side. And if he stays healthy, uh, he could have a he could have a great season for for us. And there are some guys pushing for that third spot, you know, or one of the first three spots. I don't know who you could say, you know, you have a one and then two number twos or however you want to look at it. But 
you know, Ben Bobby's one of them. Stuff has really improved. Throws a lot of strikes. You know, we've got a couple freshmen that could also take that spot. I mean, Colin Fisher's a true freshman that throws nothing but strikes, has a really good changeup and a good breaking ball, and he also pitches left-handed. So uh, I have no problem throwing him out there either. Well, you know, I could probably do another two hours here with you, Dave, but you got bigger things to worry about. What's the schedule this weekend? How many scrimmages, and when do you think it gets started? Yeah, so the the schedule on Friday, tomorrow looks good to be outside. I think we throw the first pitch at 3 o'clock, 3.05, something like that. And then uh, Saturday, you know, we have a big chance of rain. Um, I don't even know if we set a time on that yet. We were going to look at the weather again after the game today. It just the timing of the rain we're going to try to go outside but we're kind of thinking we might have to go in inside and and, and just use the indoor facility and still scrimmage um we just want friday and saturday's guys to stay on schedule um sunday doesn't look great so i think we're going to take sunday off and then and have our third scrimmage on monday probably around 2 o'clock that that that'd be the what we're looking at right now dave looking forward to it thank you so much we'll see you tomorrow you're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hickey & Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey & Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Better. Are working on getting Brett Dolan here. He is in. Uh, he's in Dallas. Has he seen the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney? I don't know because they're, he's getting his airline miles. Is what that's what. It's How many a, miles did you need to get to that? Right. What he was got it? A meet, million. He got to. I think Sam Elliott's uh, Elliott's the character that he gets to meet. Because of course, if you got to meet one person, it, you'd want that mustache to come around the corner. That's what I'd want. I don't. I don't need any discounts or any credits from the just airline. I just mustache, need the mustache. Walk, and then you get your name on the side of a plane. That was the big thing that uh, Anna Kendrick's characters, you know. That is a good uh, one. You stay, you stay wrapped in a cocoon of self-banishment. Oh, look, big words. You never know the lines that Matt Jones knows. That's I, a I great fin- movie. I finished The Hateful Eight yesterday. There was a line about about hanging bad people. Like bad, you don't got to hang bad people. Bad people got to hang. I asked him what what was this line because I didn't remember it. He didn't remember it. Like that was that was your moment. That was my moment like, in time. What are you here for? At yeah. That point? Well, Brett Dolan is here now. We've got him on the phone. Uh, East-West Shrine Game tonight. Brett, are you there to watch or are you there to call? Uh, neither. I'm there to contribute and interview some guests, maybe some former Cowboys, some patients, and some players or coaches. So, uh, you know, we've had the Shriners College Baseball event for eight or nine years. I've been a part of it in Houston, and now it's moving to Arlington. So that's not going to work out. So uh, I enjoy those folks, and I'm going to help out tonight at the Shrine Game. The East West Shrine game is is as a fan, as a sport fan. Are there any guys that you're you're looking at that you that you want to go that you're excited to see play? Well, that might be a question I'm going to have to answer later on tonight because I I haven't just jumped into the rosters yet. I you know this is the big week with the Senior Bowl and everything, so it kind of dilutes some of the the senior talent amongst a couple of different games. But uh, I'm curious. It's been several years since I've been to one of these. I think Matt, they've been playing it over a hundred years. So this thing's been going on forever going way back to the Palo Alto in those days and they found a home in Vegas but I guess they can't find a, a stadium this week because uh, with the Super Bowl so they had to move it to the star in Frisco so uh, it's a little bit different for them but a little more centrally located and and hopefully we'll see some uh, you know some future NFL guys today 
Well, you got Dwight McLaughlin there, Cam Little is there, and Trade and Jeff Coder there. There's the three Razorbacks taking part of it. They're playing for the West team. Um, sometimes I wonder whether so we got three hogs in the game. Three hogs in this game yeah. tonight. How cool is that? Absolutely. Yeah. It would be worth paying a little bit of attention yeah, abso- to. Absolutely. In the women's game tonight, too, Brett, going for three in a row against Alabama. Is a streak to you two in a row or three in a row? I would normally say three. It feels like in the SEC this year with men's and women's, two in a row feels like a streak. And and uh, But uh, three would be a better streak. And, you know, whether the men can get two this weekend or the women can get three tonight, it, it's certainly a little better than what we were talking about just maybe seven days ago. I think they might get Talia Scott back tonight, which th- this will be interesting because there's this whole idea of, well, she led the league in minutes and points scored before she went down with the sore back and has missed, I think it's been six games. But it's like you got to find a way to work her into the rotation and for her teammates who have kind of gelled a little bit without her to, you know, find how she fits into the game plan now, which is weird to think about for somebody that was scoring like 24 points a game. 1,000%. I mean, it seems to be the storyline. And if this was the case, say, with, with the men's team, we'd be talking about it almost every day as far as someone who could be one of the leading scorers in the country then doesn't play for a few games. The team looks a little better. Then when she's coming back, now they've got to figure out how this all works. And, you know, two pretty alpha personalities and, and uh, tremendous players and Michaela Daniels and Samara Spencer. And, it felt like they were a little bit diminished, maybe from a scoring standpoint, when Scott was doing her thing early, and both have had to elevate their game. And Spencer has found some big-time performances. It's helped to get some wins and some other games in which they came close but didn't win. But now they've got to figure it out. And, and boy, I guess this is where the coaches kind of earn their money when they, they try and make everything gel. It's, it's not a big rotation to begin with, but if they can figure it out, this is a tournament team. If they can't figure it out, then uh, – they may not be. So there's a lot at stake with this. Yeah, that's what I've kind of centered in on here. It's like when 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 Talia went down and then and then Sailors got her injury. And really when 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 Scott was unavailable. Now you're starting to think, my gosh, uh, you know, you, you don't know if Emory Ellis can play very much. You might have only six players that you feel you can count on. Now, Carly Keats, you can count her, though I don't think she plays today after uh, taking the elbow to the nose. That looked like it was a pretty heavy blow to the nose. Carly Johnson stepping into a role that I just, I don't expect anybody thought that she would be as important of a player as she is right now. So they're kind of in a position where, you know, they can, they can, you know, be a little cautious, I guess, with Sailor at times. Talia's coming back. You get Keats back eventually. They're deeper than I thought they were. I think they're deeper than they even thought they were. No, it might be the case. You know, early in the year, Mike said it might be 10 players averaging 10 minutes a game, and they weren't a couple of weeks into the season, and we thought, well, that's nowhere close. It's going to be five or six players and maybe seven deep, but five playing 37, 38 minutes, and they've had to force, uh, had to figure some things out on the fly, and, you know, it's kind of the equivalent maybe of a baseball team losing kind of their three or four hole hitter and one of their starting pitchers, and then before they get back, having to kind of throw some people into some enhanced roles and, and find something, and you know, even with the men's game last night, guys, if you would have told us maybe a month or two ago that Arkansas would play a game without Brazil or Devo and, and score 90-plus points, we might have thought, well, that doesn't sound right. I mean, you're losing a couple of guys who you think would be part of that, and yet, you know, maybe they found something last night too. But, uh, you know, for the for the women, they seem to be in a just a little better path than the men right now as far as that possibility of getting to the tournament. So I hope they can figure it out. Talia Scott could be... One of these, uh, you know, one of these scores that we look back on three or four years from now, and there are very few people ahead of her on that all-time scoring list. But the for the short term, they've they've got to figure out how to kind of ease her back in. Yeah, I'd heard this stat um, yesterday on the on the on the broadcast. It said that the SEC has the most NBA players, it, guys in the NBA. So I know you got to get two sources. So I can't I can't really go with it yet. But that being said, Brett, do you think that the SEC is a non-bid league uh, for the NCAA tournament? Well, it seems to be that eight or nine conversation, and, and I don't know, but the one thing, you know, Matt, maybe just, you know, five years ago, six years ago, this was not the second-best basketball league in the country. They firmly are now, and, and you know, the ACC has is, is not had quite the, the uh, 
presence in college basketball in the last five or six years, and the SEC's taken over. And the only way you get there is if you have NBA caliber players and good coaches. And and you you know when you start beating each other, the uh, the 500 records in conference don't look quite as bad because you're getting beat by a lot of quality tournament teams. So I think they could get to nine, uh, but that's a big number because. You know, what was it, a decade ago where, where two or three teams were getting in from the SEC? So it's been fun to watch the growth. I, I know it's not much fun when you're trying to figure out ways to win two or three games in a row, and especially when you're sub-500, but I do think they could get to nine. That's that's funny you say that because, I, I, you know, 20 years ago, if it was UConn, if they went 500 in the Big East, they got into the tournament. Same, same with the ACC. Yeah, I think you're starting to see the SEC uh, become that way. It's definitely the deepest. The I, was, I heard the other. Go go ahead. I think I heard a stat the other day. As far as the last time the ACC's had kind of a a one seed in the tournament, it's been a while. I mean, you know, the Duke's been a little bit down. Carolina's not quite been the same. There haven't been other teams stepping up. And you know, I know that the SEC never looks quite as good when Kentucky's not a number one. But there's a lot of teams that could be in that four or five mix that who knows could win two games in the tournament and. And uh, it's 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 really kind of enhanced the overall depth of this conference. All right, so Senior Bowl, not Senior Bowl. It's uh, Shrine Shrine East West. So, so many of these East games. Game? East West. How many of these other games are there? There's East West Shrine. There's Senior Bowl. Is there still a Hula Bowl? There used to be a Blue Gray game. I don't know if that's around anymore. Blue gray. Yeah. You know these. Uh, there aren't as many college all star games as there used to be. But Brett, we brought Chuck brought this up the other day. You're 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 a little bit older than me, not too much. Do you remember the college all-stars against the Super Bowl champion in the summertime going back to the 70s, like 50s, 60s, 70s? I don't remember watching it because I think I was still a young kid, but I certainly remember the event because they held it in Chicago for a number of years and uh, maybe at Soldier Field. And I used to have a couple of old-timers that loved to talk football with me, and they brought this game up like it was the, the summer Super Bowl. Like they always look forward to seeing the uh, the NFL champion against a college all-star team and, you know, this was back in the day what, when, when the NFL teams were playing six preseason games and the guys weren't getting paid for it. And, you know, really the, the rough days to try and make a living out of the NFL. So I'm sure these guys got a few extra bucks for being part of it, and the college kids got some exposure. But uh, it, it ended about the time that uh, I was, you know, being able to kind of focus in on this. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.